You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Hi, guys. Uh, make sure to listen to our new podcast. Uh, that's Don't Worry, Inside of You is not going away. But in love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan, please subscribe. Please write a review. It's a lot of fun, and it's about being grateful. It's about what you're in love with. And um, now, back to the guest for Inside of You today. I've known her for a while, but I really didn't know her till today. And boy, did I find out a lot about her. Andy McDowell. Doll. We're going to get inside of Andy McDowell today. And um, boy, I couldn't believe she was so open. She was so, she's so down to earth. And, uh, you know, she talks about her relationship with Bill Murray, which I think is just fascinating. You could see how much she loves and respects him, but also was intimidated by him. And I think you are really going to enjoy this one. Let's get inside of Andy McDowell. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Uh, this is exciting having you here because I, I, uh, I've known you how many years, Andy? Ah, uh, maybe 10. I don't know. Something like Ten that. Years. And we met at uh, Echoes of Hope. Correct. Stacia Robitaille, one of our good friends, mm -hmm. and Luke Robitaille, hockey legend. They started a yeah. charity. And it's for foster youth. Yes. And you should check it out. It's Echoes of Hope. And it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. We've been doing it a long time. But you... you uh, you I, always come I to the was, events. I was a make-believe coach. <laughs> you were. We play these hockey games at the Sundance Film Festival. Yeah. yeah, and you come and you're like one of the assistant coaches. Yes. I did it with Stacia, but I really I don't know anything about hockey, so I just pretended like I knew what I was doing. Are you attracted to hockey players or more intellects? I think, unfortunately, I'm attracted to hockey players. Are you? It's such a shame. Yeah, but I like, you know, I like to have a conversation. So then that always backfires. Now, I'm not, you know, that's not fair because I think some hockey players can have a conversation. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's some really smart, there's a guy named George, uh, George something. He went to. Okay, don't worry. It doesn't, Jared, doesn't George, Sorry, George Paris. Uh -huh. He went to Princeton. Oh, there and you he's go. And he was a fighter. Yeah. He's a player, but he's a fighter, but he went to prison. Smart guy. Sounds like a perfect man. Right. But I just don't think, you know, Have you how been lucky. out with an athlete? You know, I, I have gone out with athletes as well that you can't have a conversation with. So that would not be stimulating for very long. I mean, unless it's just for one purpose. In terms of dating, because I felt a little bit, uh, <clears throat> when, I'm, <laughs> when I, when <laughs> I, clear your throat, when I met <laughs> you at Echoes, I was like, oh my God, this is Andy McDowell. She's one of the most beautiful, talented uh, women people I've Keep ever met. Going. There you go. Okay. I'll go on. But I remember immediately I was like, oh my God, this is Andy McDowell. Everybody was excited. I remember I was emceeing. Aww, I was emceeing sweet. the thing. Yeah. And I remember just being nervous up there. Like, oh crap, I got to be really funny. And I don't, I, I, you didn't come across as, as I, nervous. I, I thought you were just, you didn't come across as funny. <laughs> no, you were funny. Yeah. Yeah. But we always had a little fun thing. Oh yeah. It was just like a very playful, friendly. Yes. Uh, I was too old for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute have you ever gone out with a younger man i have yeah i dated actually i dated a guy who was 11 years younger than me not serious it wasn't a serious thing because i was lonely really i was lonely and he was an athlete and i'm very athletic so that's probably goes back to why i like hockey players but um, how old was he he was 11 years younger than me at the time and uh, he was an Iron Man, so he was in really good shape. And he was just fun. It was just an accident that I met him, and, and we just started hanging out. It was just one of those things. It wasn't seriously dating anyone. It wasn't like, it wasn't like that. So you were dating him for sex? 
No, I really wasn't. Because you're not that kind of woman. No, I wasn't dating him for sex. I was dating him for activities. Well, one of those activities could be sex. Yeah, and there was that was part of you it. You wanted to play how? <laughs> how did you? Want I to wanted play? to, you know, ride bikes and literally play, ride bl- bikes and hike and run and cross country ski and stuff like that. I just wanted to be active and go out, you know, play. I still do that. You so know? the older men not provide that usually. They just they work. They provide some intellect maybe, and they get boring. Do you get bored really easily? Um, my thing is, I really have, I don't date a lot. Ne- I haven't dated very much at all. I think it's hard in my position for starters. I think it's hard to for Why, pe- being so beautiful. No, no, please, no. I think because people see you as a as a movie star, and they they it's hard for them to relate to you. And I think it's just it makes it harder to meet people. I dated someone you know it was older than me, but I didn't sleep with him. <laughs> How old was he? 13 years older. Too old. I'm sorry. It was just too old. What are you going to What are you gonna do? I only did it because a friend of mine connected me. And it was a sweet person. What do you mean what are you going to do? Was a they friend. have Viagra or no. whatever. They have Blue Chew, which I, I've used. I wasn't interested. You but weren't interested I, in Yeah. I really, the people that I want to sleep with, I'm afraid to sleep with. That doesn't make sense. But like, let's say I go on a set and I see some young looking guy and he's flirting with me. I'm afraid to sleep with him because, like, is he going to go tell everybody I slept with I slept with Andy McDowell? I Andy just don't McDowell, want to be the local gossip. I would and never. And I told this to a friend of mine, and they were like, "It's so the opposite for a man. Like, guys you know, don't talk shit. Well, no, no, no. Like a guy goes on a set in my position who's famous and has some young chicks hitting on him. He doesn't sit there and go, oh gosh, I don't, I'm worried about what she's going to say. He wouldn't give a rat's ass. He'd be happy. You know, say what you want to say. Yeah, that's, it's, I, it's I hear so what you're saying. Different. It's true. It's, it's so true. different. And I, I, I think we're, tra- we're so trained. I am so trained that I wouldn't want people to feel I was like that or, I just wouldn't want someone to, to, I would feel violated by that person even. It would just, it's just ingrained in me and my soul that. Um, Andy, that sounds like that's the Southern girl. And <laughs> you like to only have sex with men who you're going to be with. <laughs> no, it's not even that. I, I think may not might... be a smart man, <laughs> Andy, but hey, <laughs> I've got a decent Honestly, I think it would be more fun to sleep with someone now that I don't have to have a relationship with. I wish I could get there. I don't know what to do. I wish I could click something in my brain and walk into the bar and have the bartender flirt with me, which I have had happen, and just go, okay. I'll bang the bartender. <laughs> let's go if to it. If you go from banging no one to a bartender. <laughs> I wish I could. Every bartender listening to this is going, please come into my town. Really wish I could, or just like I don't know. I mean, anyone that like you know looks at me like that, you know what I mean? It's the it's a certain look, you know. You see it in someone's eyes. What is that eye. look called? Is it the F me look? <laughs> yes, you just you know someone looks at you and you know you know what they're thinking, and you're thinking the same thing. And then I'm thinking it, and then I go, oh shit, man, I can't do it. You think too much, <laughs> but that's probably why you don't have VD. You know, probably, probably. You want to be able to turn that off. You want to be able to say, you know, I want to sleep with someone. Yeah, I think that would be nice. I wish I didn't have all this um, shit in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when's the last time you had a relationship? I didn't. By the way, I didn't think we we're going to talk about this stuff. Okay. But I should have known. Okay, it's been a long time. 
Yeah, it's been, it's a, been long a long time. time since you've had a relationship. It's been a long time. Yeah. Do you miss being in a relationship? I don't know that I miss being in a relationship. I think relationships are really hard. I miss having sex. <laughs> I think it would be fun to just like find someone I could have sex with and feel okay with. I, really? Because yeah. you don't need to get married because you have three daughters, right? No. <laughs> I do not need to get married. You were married. I have been married. Yeah, yes. you were married for a while. Yeah, I was well, I was married for 14 years with my the father of my children. Right, right. And then I had a very brief um nervous breakdown and married somebody else. Okay, hang on a second. Ner- <laughs> n- well, you can't just skip over a nervous breakdown. I had a nervous breakdown. We can't just skip okay, over. Okay, well, I don't know if that's really what you would call it. Out of body experience. I would say really how what it felt like in hindsight, if I was to describe it, is it really wasn't a nervous breakdown, though I, w- I wasn't sane. Um, my 10-year-old took over right. my, and was in charge, and she was completely in charge. Now, I was still semi-present, but I was definitely in the background while she was doing everything. <laughs> and she did some weird some weird shit. She really did. She She found a way to connect with someone that she thought was respectable and she loved their family and it looked like it would make sense for her to be with him and kind of like put her life back together because her life had fallen apart in a way that really was making her feel completely unstable unstable right and she sought him out connected with him both of them were drinking a whole bunch, both of these 10-year-olds, because mm. I think he was a 10-year-old, too. They were drinking a whole bunch, too. And then they got married. And had I had a gigantic party. About 300 people came, my closest friends and family. That's what my, my sisters and I call it, my great big party. We had this gigantic party, and I got dressed up in a wedding dress and walked down the aisle. And it's all surreal to me. It really was. I don't know how it happened. Or why I did it, but I did. Wasn't it like did. three months after you met the guy? No, I'd known him. My, I'd known him my whole life. I grew up with him. That's why the little girl thought it would be a good idea because mm-hmm. she really loved his family, and I could put my family back together, and it could be, you know, the white picket fence. But we really, honestly, didn't have much in common when it came down to it. Like once it was settled in. And I kind of was waking up going, what did you do? How did you know? What was it? Was it one thing in particular? Was it just a lot of little things? A lot of little things. Like the flags were flying right before I got married. I went to my sister. I said, I'm making a big fat mistake. I realized that I don't think he was really marrying me for the right reasons. I don't. Like why was he marrying you? I think out of desperation too. I think things had gone wrong with his life and he, you know, kind of kind of the same thing. I think his 10-year-old was in charge. I just so many things, just so many things. Like I love art. I remember towards the end he came to visit me and we were in Canada and I was working on a movie and I love to go to museums and I took him to his art museum and he was so depressed. <laughs> I don't know what this sounds stupid, but it was just like we're so different. We were so different. He, you know, he was the kind of person that got excited about going to a football game. And, and if I tell you, I mean, really how crazy it was because. Was it, was it any kind of a verbal abuse or. Oh, anything? no, no, no. Was no. it just kind of nice? But no just like you connection. Just no connection. No That's connection. It no, it was com- complete and utter chaos. Drinking way too you much. You drank a lot. Not as much as him. I mean, I was driving because he couldn't. 
but I drank too. <laughs> I drank too much. I was drinking too much. It was a bad time you in don't my life. Come really, as a I'm drinker. not. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a drinker. Here's what happened. Oh my god. Okay, so when I went through my divorce and and my child took over, I moved into this neighborhood where. I, you know, I didn't finish college, so I didn't like to get have all those years of like partying and doing jello shooters and stupid jello stuff. shots. That's whatever. Jello yeah. shooters. <laughs> so anyway, I moved to this neighborhood where on the weekend this is what people did, right? Right. And I, and and I had kind of bypassed all that cuz I started working when I was 20 and I was very boring. Like I would uh work all day, go home, walk my dog, uh, eat some vegetables and go to bed and get up, work the next day. And that's kind of what I did. I had a, you know, really plain, boring, but very professional life. Right. So after all this time, and then I had kids and I was like, you know, the sweet mama, whatever. So I moved back to North Carolina where these people just get drunk on the, on the weekends. And I was hanging out with them because, you know, hey, I'd just gone through a divorce and they were inviting me. So I went and then I found the perfect person to fit in with that group, which was this person. Mm. And uh, so I was like, you know, belonging. And um, it was just a catastrophe because it really didn't last very long, like a year of that. And I was done. And what year was that? 2001. Yeah, 2001, because we got married right after 9-11. It was right. We got married right after that. We were only together a year and a half. And um, here's another crazy thing. Um, during that year and a half, I had three miscarriages. Oh my God. I know. It sounds terrible, but it was painful at the time. I'm just so thankful. It's a terrible thing to say. I'm glad I didn't have the children because. You weren't ready. No, I just, you know, they, it would have been wrong. It just would have been the wrong thing. I have three beautiful kids and we were not meant to be connected. We were not. He has gone on with his life. You haven't talked to him since. Have not talked to him since. Could you imagine having to still talk to him and deal with that? That's what I mean. And it's not like I dislike him or whatever. I don't dislike him. I wish him only the best. And um, it's it's just that it was not meant to be. I don't even know how it happened because it was crazy times. He was crazy too. It was physical chemistry though, right? No. What the hell were you thinking? (laughs) I told you. It was a 10 year old. It was a 10 year old. She really just wanted family. That's Mm. all she was caring. That's all she cared about. Family. She was freaking out over family and what family meant. That is all she cared about. And I really feel like it wasn't me, completely me. It was a part of me, but not not the the person who's present here having a conversation with you. I have to say also, you're you're pretty damn resilient. And I say that because I, I've watched a lot of interviews with you, knowing you a little. I mean, obviously, we don't know each other. Too, I think we're really learning a lot about each other, or I'm learning a lot about you right now. <laughs> Would you like to interview me, Andy? Yeah. That was more like Paul Lynn. Are you, are you, as, are you as open as I am? I'm very open, okay. as my listeners all know. So this okay. is good. You, you're probably thinking, God, I'm getting kind of deep. Are they going to like this? Is that what you're thinking? I don't know. But that's I mean, what this you know, is. this is this my is... tendency. I don't know. I can't help it. Whether no, they like I it or not. I love this. And I, okay. I noticed that because you faced a lot of stuff. Look, you, I mean, I look at your career and it's like, holy shit, you know, you're beautiful. And then all of a sudden you went through the whole thing where you, you really wanted to act. And then they were like, oh, you know, models aren't smart. That was the whole mentality. And you went through that whole thing. And you had to prove yourself. And then you did uh, uh, Gray Stroke. Stoke. Gray Stoke. Where my, where's my mind at? <laughs> Gray Stroke. 
You did that. <laughs> and then they, they dubbed your voice with Glenn Close mm-hmm. after the role, and you were devastated. And but anyway, look, I'm fast forwarding. You turned your life around. You said, I'm not. You faced all this adversity, all this bullshit, what people thought. Everybody was in your face. And then you ended up starting getting movies again and became one of the biggest uh, movie stars around. So you've been around. You know what I mean? And I think you have to have something inside of you that is just like unstoppable, that is just like this. I don't know, this ferocity or some sort of, mm-hmm. uh, are, are you, are you insatiable? Are you, is it just, uh, I would say because I, you know, I've done, I've done some therapy, you know, I know I've, I have worked on myself a little bit and I have been told in therapy that I'm a survivor and, um, all the stuff that I went through when I was a child, which, you know, w- was not easy. My mother was, um, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. I don't think she was schizophrenic. I'm going to tell, I have to tell you this. So anyway, after she had me, she had a nervous breakdown, which is pro- probably why I translated my whatever my thing was to a nervous breakdown. But it, I, mine was not the same as hers. Hers was much more intense. And um, she was sent away and to put in, in an insane asylum in the mountain. How old were you? I was a baby. I was an infant. And she was given shock treatments. So she was there, I think, a couple of months and um my dad went to pick her up with a bottle of champagne she wasn't really a drinker um and then she became an alcoholic because there was no support system for her when she came home it was like you're fixed that was how people perceived uh the whole process you know you go to one of these places and you're fixed but of course we know now that's not how it works and it could have been from um, hormones, you know, um, have, you know, after having the baby, sometimes you get sad as your hormones are messed up. But I think it was more complex than that. I think it was circumstantial. My father was not being faithful. And um, I think there was a lot of um, heartache in the family and having four daughters. And the other thing that was really weird that I picked up from my mother's from years and years of listening to her talk and and um, the whole thing with play role playing for her, she hated it. She hated the role playing of what was forced on women at that time. She was really smart. She went back to school. She got a degree, but there was all these formalities, especially in the South, which is so weird that I moved back right back in the smack in the middle of all of that during this time period of role playing. It's how it's this female role, what you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to always be pretty and you clean the house and you cook and your children look perfect and you sew and you make your smock dresses and you show up at the country club and you look perfect and, you know, you speak a certain way and you don't talk about politics and you don't really know anything and the men have to be the smartest. And 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 that's still going on. It's still, I moved right back in the smack in the middle of of that hoopla stuff. I kind of was reliving something, an experience that I had as a child in a way, but I was going to try, try to make it work out better. This is way too complex. I don't even know if you're following me. I am following you. All right. But anyway, all of this that I went through and then also because um, my mother became an alcoholic and she was an alcoholic the whole time I was growing up, I was her caregiver. I took care of her in so many ways and and became very codependent. And it's known, you know, we ended up working in McDonald's together. That's out there. It's a much more complicated story than that. And she, you know, was I would get a call and she'd be in jail because she got a DUI and 
And so you were taking care of your mother at, at what age? Tiny. Like I remember being four or five and being at the piano stool and praying that my dad was going to get home because my mother was just flat out drunk. And your dad was a drunk. No, my dad was not a drunk. He wasn't a drunk. <laughs> well, he's the one who greeted her with the champagne at the when he, he took her the her champagne. Up. It was just a dumb idea. Right. It was just a romantic idea. Like, you know, he's going to have a romantic experience with his wife who's just had a nervous breakdown and shock treatments. So he picks her up at the hospital with a bottle of champagne. So he, he I don't know. But he was normal. I don't know. He was ultimately well, He was I mean, was he a good role model? I'm thinking my dad was a beautiful man, extremely beautiful. And um, when you say beautiful, what do you mean beautiful? Attractive. Inside? Okay, he was handsome. Handsome. Like we would go places, and people would say, "Are you a movie star?" or stuff like you know. He was six foot three and extremely attractive. But uh, was he a good role model? He left and he married someone else and moved away. And uh, I think that was a really bad choice, personally. I don't think I would make that choice. I know most women wouldn't make that choice back then in particular. And men no longer feel that, um, you know, that they don't have a responsibility to their children. But I think back then they really got away with a lot. They could justify their actions and leaving, you know. How old were you when he left? He left when I was six. How do you? I, I know. Mean, you seem like I you've know. always been together, but you're, you know, you see, I'm not saying comparing you to me, but like I, my friends always think I have everything together until I say, yeah, I'm going to a wellness facility for three weeks. Or, oh, what's wrong? <laughs> so what I'm saying is like, you look like you, you know, you don't sleep around. You, you're a good mom. You, did you just I, learn but, from but your mistakes? But here's the thing. I don't sleep around enough. This is the problem. Enough? You don't do it at all. <laughs> I don't know. That's the problem. So, you know, there's, you but know, there has to be got, some kind of balance here. But you, you know? have a mom that's just a mess. You got a father who leaves you at six. I mean, you have abandonment issues. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I have abandonment co- issues when my assistant leaves at five. I think I have codependent. I, I think I'm a codependent a little mm. bit. I give, I think I have bad boundaries. I give people too much of my space a lot of times. I give up way too much power. Those are my tendencies that I see, but well, man, at least you're rich. Is this interesting? This you're is rich, aren't really you? You're, you're rich. Am I rich? Yeah. You have well, to be rich that's... after all those movies. Here's the thing. I did this really interesting interview the other day. It was these young, cool millennials, and they were asking me all these questions, you know, about actors and um, why do they um, stand up or want to speak out or use their voice? And I was saying, you know, when you get a lot of attention, it's important that you use that power, you know, that you share the power and you use it for something that you believe in and that you make the world a better place with it. As goes, long as you don't exploit it. Go yeah, ahead. Yes. And then on top of it, you know, they were saying, well, you give money. And then I stop and think it's all relative. Like I just saw this article about the four women in Hollywood that made $86 million last year. I'm not getting a pinch of that. So let's be straight about this. Everybody's, you know, may throw this idea onto me that I'm making the kind of money that they're reading about. I'm not making that money. I'd like a little of that money. I'm not making (laughs) any of that money. You know, and it's hard. It's hard in my age. When I look at my contemporaries, the, the women that I would go up against for jobs, none of us are really working that much. 
this is Hollywood. The reality is, this is what everybody said to me, how does it feel to turn 40 and know you're never going to work again? This is what happened to me. It happened to everybody. Now, we come along now in this new generation. I tell them that, and they look at me like I'm making it up. But they weren't here, and this was just 20 years ago. So things have changed, and we no longer say that, but it's still the truth. They may not say it to the people that are 40. How does it feel to turn 40? And no, you're not going to work anymore. But it's going to happen to them because it's Hollywood. And things have not changed. We have not made progress nearly enough. We've made some progress. We've made some progress, but not enough. I mean, don't you remember back in the days when there were no female executives? None? None? Sure. It makes no sense to me when someone says... Someone has a big career or someone does a big movie or someone does a big TV show, they're a TV star or whatever it is. And then people are like, whatever happened to them? A lot of times it's like, oh, what has she done? Well, what what does she need to prove to you? She did, I don't know, Groundhog's Day. She did four weddings and a funeral. She was the biggest model in the world. She did. I, mean, I don't I know about on. that. No, no, but... no. But I, you can go on and on about what you did. But it's all about what you're doing now that makes you. This is just a clown. These are clowns. It's like, relevance. what do you need to do? Like, I haven't acted in a year and a half because of choice. I want to do my podcast. I love it. Right. So what? People are like, what is he doing? One of the reasons I chose not to live in L.A., which years ago, when I was here, people would say, so what are you doing now? And usually, I felt like I wasn't doing enough. Even in my 30s, you know, when I would be doing two movies a year and it was easy for me to get two movies a year, I never felt like it was enough. I felt like people, there was this constant pressure to prove yourself and whatever your last job was. And not only that, the last job has to be a hit. It can't be just a piece of artwork even. You may do something that you're extremely proud of that's a great piece of art, but if it doesn't do well, you're judged for that as well. So part of the reason I didn't live here is I just didn't want to think about it. I would go home and I would, nobody would talk about my work and I would talk about my kids and I would take them to dance and what I was doing was taking them to dance, but so was everybody else. That's all anybody was doing was taking their kids to dance and that became the most important part of my life. So that's what one of the reasons that became purpose. That's that purpose. was my purpose. That and was my what, purpose. That's what you need because I think that and I took yeah. the pressure off. It was like it didn't really matter if I didn't do a movie for a year or two. I wasn't worried about what those people thought. I cared about the teachers of my kids or showing up for them or having spend the night parties or being in their life. That was my purpose, and it was a for me the purpose that the greatest purpose. And I'm actually still doing the same stuff. And it's still a great purpose. I'm working on a house right now for my daughter. She's going to live next door because I'm a nerdy person. And so is she. And uh, we love each other. Who wants to live next door to their mom? <laughs> she does. I, that's that, I does, that says a lot. But I have really good boundaries with her. She travels a lot. I won't come I travel over before 6 a.m. <laughs> Actually, I call. You don't have to call me, dearest. I call or text. I call and text, and I say, is it okay? For-? But on a, it's not like that. We're- You're friends. We're fr- we get along great. We get uh, all of my kids. I get along great with all of my kids, and I've learned how to respect them and respect and not question them, and, and look at that. I look up to them. And You're they- being the mother that you wish you had. Pro- yeah, probably. You know, I lost my mother at 23. My mother died when I was 23. So even when I've had problems, like when one time Rainy and I were probably just hormonal in the same house and things were weird. And I said to her, look, I don't know what's going on right now, but what's great is we is that we can work on our relationship. Whatever you're feeling, I'm not doing right or whatever, You have we have the opportunity to fix this. I said, just think. 
I never had that. My mother died when I was 23, and there was no opportunity to fix anything. It was just gone. Do you, do you still, does that still get to you? Do you still think about that? Do you still, do you like, I do. No, I like, yeah, oh, it haunts me. The responsibility haunts me, but also the lack of relationship haunts me. Like, even the other day, I just kind of whispered, and I just was like, I miss you, Mama. I do. I mean, I miss her. And I didn't, I only had her for 23 years. You yeah. know, I didn't have her for a very long time. And there was so much pain involved in that relationship, too. There were happy times, but also really painful times. I could tell just by looking at you how much it hurt you. You know, you could just tell. It's like not only in your voice, but how much, you know. I think we all want something that we didn't have or something. You know, you, you know time is a, it's a precious thing. And it's sometimes it's just I, I look at my friends who all like that, they lose their parents. You know, mine, I had a dysfunctional family, which I've talked about ad nauseum. <laughs> but I think also when we start blaming ourselves or we think we could change them or make them the parent we want or it's that becomes crazier than anything. That's that's fantasy mm-hmm. because that can't happen. I think for a long time I was like, you know, oh, here breakthrough. No, 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 not going to get that. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is, here it comes. Uh, I love it. No, no. I'm proud of, no, it's not going to happen. So I just stopped. I said, I know who they are. I love them. That was my choice. I love them for who they are. They can't give me what I need as a child, but I always keep that at arm's length. I know that I could, I'm never going to think here it comes. I need to build that for myself. And then that, that self-worth, which you were talking about earlier, where you're like, oh, I did two movies. It was never enough. It's always the big. And that's where I think self-worth is so important because, and look, I'm, I'm not telling you this because I have so much of it. For me, it was approval and self-esteem. They're, they're equivalent in the feeling of self-worth, right? Mm-hmm. I've talked about this. But if you could look at other things and not let your career run you. Say, you know what, I'm going to do charity work. I'm going to uh, give love to whoever. I'm going to raise my children. I'm going to be the best, whatever I could be. If you, if you do more of those things, that's what self-worth, that builds your self-worth. You start thinking, I'm, I'm making an impact on someone else's life instead of worrying about you know, what people think of me. Because that's been a really tough thing for me. I always felt like if I become successful, my dad's going to really love me. My mom's going to really love me if I just become a big enough star. Mm-hmm. And then I stop and I go, who are you doing this for? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be 80 years old and go, I-, I was doing this whole thing to try and get people just to like me and love me. And you have to love yourself and whatever that is, that's the journey to love yourself and to love other and just to live the life that you're proud of. And so that's a, that's a hard thing to do. And this industry will do that. If you allow it, I see some people that are somehow unaffected and they're rare. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. I got found, Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, de- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget 
after this trial period, it kicks in and they're it's charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside. Ready or not. Ready or not. How did that happen? Yeah, so you've seen it. I've seen it. Well, yeah. I can't wait to see it because I'm a big horror movie fan. Oh, but it cool. also, like, people have compared it to, like, Clue. And you know that. You've heard this a million times. And uh, it's got the humor in it. It's got the dark. It's got a little violence in it for the mm-hmm. horror. Did someone just approach you? Did you just get a straight offer? Did you have to read for it? Uh, I, it, came through, it came through my agency and my managers. So they sent you a script and said, we want Andy McDowell for this part. That's what happened. And you read it and immediately said, sure. And I read it and it's great. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do this. Was it a big budget I was early, film? early on. I was one of the first people that jumped in. Really? It was not a big budget film. It's, but it's making good money. So I think that Fox Searchlight is quite happy. It's going to do really well. They're going to make some money on this. And Samara Weaving's fabulous. And the whole cast was great. Was it hard? Was it a hard film to shoot? 
No, it wasn't hard in that I loved my hours and I got along great with everyone and I had a quiet room to sleep in, which is really important to me. Wait, you had you had a quiet, quiet room, room to sleep in where? <laughs> to sleep in at a nice place. Where were you sleep what 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 state did you shoot? What country? We were in Toronto. You were in Toronto. And I wasn't inside and I was inside because it's cold there. Right. So, you know, these are the things that I'm like going, Yes, I really got lucky. Samara was outside freezing the whole time in her little wedding dress. She's the lead girl. And she's the lead and she's right. fabulous. But everybody got along really well and was super funny. We had great lines. It was very sharp. But um, I feel like everybody brought more to it. So they every, each character became even better than you could imagine. Like the, the script was great when you read it. It, was it a, just came to super, life. Once you guys started talking, things started happening. That's it started what happened. happening. That's yeah. good. It was, a great, we, it was a great combination of people that kind of sparred with each other. And were having fun and were bringing their best stuff, showing up, really showing up and wanting it to be good. And and um, and so it happens. There's just it has a lot. It of, looks great. The trailer looks great, and it's shot beautifully. It's beautifully shot. It just looks it's like really a lot of fun, like a little roller coaster of a ride. And it's just I never really liked gore until now. I, you know what? I, Let me tell I, you I'm some sorry. gore. Have you not seen all the Fangoria magazines? I know. I have over well, there? I have to tell you that's the other thing I thought about because I told you my house looks like Aunt Daisy. I look so square. If you came in my house, just maybe part of the reason I'm not having sex. But is it boring? But- <laughs> It's, like it's you're just having sex sweet. With an old woman, they're like, "Oh my god, I'm not having oh sex with Andy." I looks She's like you know, it's, it's a little momsy, is what it is. It's well, so sweet. It's sweet, is what it is. What would you say mine is? Studly. Really studly, <laughs> not nerdly. It's a pinch, but I no, come on, it's very masculine. It might be a little over masculine. All right, stop. It, stop. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Going back to, do you still, or have you ever been, or you're on a on a set? Because I've worked with some actresses who I worked on a, a movie once and the actress, I walked on set and I go, Hey, and she, she looked really upset. And, um, she said to me, I don't know what's going on. And I go, what do you mean? She was just, I just, uh, they haven't given me any direction. I go, what do you mean? Well, I'm doing my takes and they're not like not saying anything. anything. I go, well, then you're doing a good job. Well, they're not saying that. You know, I always say, look, if they don't say anything, that, that means you're doing a good job. I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. So do you or have Am I you, one of those people have, that need a lot of attention? Do you need to hear like, is that good? Can I do it again? Is, do you have what you need? In general, Are you insecure no. or do you, have you been there before? It depends. It depends on the project. Sometimes people talk too much. I've had that case too where you just want them to shut up. Mm-hmm. But um, so, <laughs> sorry. And you know you know what you're doing. You know, you just wish they would hush. But, um, <laughs> and you can't say that. Andy's got this. Let's do <laughs> I've it. I've got this to shut up. So go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, on this one, we only had two takes. So sometimes I did need, I felt like I needed help. For instance, here's a funny thing. Samara's laying in the, um, on the table all tied up and we're all standing around and I don't want to give too much away, but we're going to be spitting blood, right? We have to spit blood. Right. I've never spit blood before. And Adam Brady's saying to me, I can't wait to see Andy McDowell spit blood, which is a little bit of pressure, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I can spit blood. You know, I can spit blood. My blood spitting is going to be really interesting. And like I told you, everybody was doing great stuff. So I'm looking around the table, trying to figure out how everybody else is going to spit their blood and watching what their choices are and thinking to myself, what can I do that's different? So I thought, okay, I'm going to just dribble it out the side. I'm going to be like, you know, just going to dribble out the side. So I do that. And the director comes up and I was like, did you see, see that? Did you see that? How was that? And he was like, just spit the blood. <laughs> so I'm 
like, okay. So I just no hush. The next time, no, hush. no hush. So I'll I just spit went, any way I, I want. <laughs> I just so I just went spit the blood. And I even said to him last time I saw him. I don't know if he remembered that moment. I said, "Was my blood splitting okay? <laughs> Did I spit that blood okay?" Like you know, a case like that, I've never spit blood. I mean, that's what they do. They make horror movies. So in that case, I would like a little advice, perhaps. Like, <laughs> okay, did I spit the blood right? Are you good with lines? Do you memorize it? Take you a while to memorize lines? I used to, when I was young, not worry about it at all. I would look at my lines in the chair and whatever and do it. I work a little harder now because... Who do you run lines with? You know what I do that works really well? You record them. Or, yeah, because I'm slightly dyslexic. Yeah, me too. And, and so it, if I listen to them... I learn them much faster. So yeah. that's what I do. I record them and I listen to them and then I I pick them up really fast. Do you get uh, frazzled easily when you're on set when you can't get something or you're just like, I don't know what to mean. Do you ever get nervous? I cuss. Like, like your body just kind of gets a little bit like, oh, my oh God. I get numb. Like I feel I get shamed. Numb. I feel shamed and I can't. Oh, I get and like I, that sometimes. I get shamed and, and I can't have a pet. Shame. 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 You know, I had from? a panic attack yeah, one time. One time. I've only had a oh, real. I've had some panic attacks. Get, tell, take me through the panic attack. <sighs> Be no. quick. I wanna, I'm okay, no, no, no. Down. I was just—it was a, you know, I was just up, up for something, and then it was a really important thing, and it was a big studio thing, and I looked around the room. You don't have all... to go that fast. Okay. calm down. Okay, <laughs> there was all this man, men. There were just men in the room, and I had been on, I had some personal problems in my life, so I was already not sleeping well, and I took a Xanax, which just makes me stupid, and I was trying really hard to think and get my shit together, and then the stupid cameraman said, "This is our audition," and that was all it took. You know, I was only in for the day. I was just doing it for the hell, for giggles. I didn't realize it was like, you know, the opportunity to like do a job. As soon as he said that, I was even more nervous. But it's just at some moment, it just sort of like my body felt so numb. Detached. And, yes. And I just I I tried to catch my breath. And I walked into the fake bathroom and looked in the mirror and said, get your shit together. Get your shit together. That's the Tim Roth moment in Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Tim Roth looks in the mirror and goes... Your fucking money. Or that was that Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I don't know. But okay. I did. I got my shit together and I was fine. It wasn't, yeah, you know, I wasn't I've like had some loose. panic attacks. Oh, I've had some panic attacks oh, in my day. Shit. I've had a couple. And it, it was, was that TV show with John Lithgow. That's who what that show. I was only in it for two seconds. But go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was just saying I, I, I it's, it's, ter- it's terrifying. Horrible. I've had panic attacks. At, I had a t- panic attack in a movie theater where some guy just came up to me and I was already a little like just not in a great place. And he just came up. He was a close talker. So he oh, came up no. to me. He's like, oh man, hey, how you doing, dude? Good to see you, man. It was somebody I, I didn't know, but kind of know. I'm like, and I don't know what happened, but I was just like, I looked at him and I go, hey man, I gotta go. I gotta go. And I felt so <laughs> bad, but I just really had to walk away because I felt like I was going to fucking pass out at the arc light. That would be bad. Not good. Yeah, that would not How many not sex be good. scenes have you had? I don't know. I'd have to sit. I'd have to really think about that. I've, you know, I've had some sex scenes, but I, you know, back in the day, we used to always have body doubles and people were, you know, like if you were a serious actress, you weren't supposed to be doing nudity. So I was always very timid about that kind of stuff. Any bad breath? You ever encounter some shit breath? Uh, uh, not, not only one time, and I'm not going to say who, and it was a long time. It was ago. rough though, right? <laughs> Horrible. Isn't that the worst when you but have to make you out with do... somebody and they just had a, a... Oh, please. They just smoked a cigarette and did nothing. You know? I mean... Or, or yeah. That's oh, just oh, terrible. Oh. Coffee and a cigarette. Have you ever been... Coffee a, and a have cigarette. Have you ever been excited? Like, you're all like, wow, this this is kind of sexy. 
you know what? It's, I think it's kind of hard to get turned on. Personally, I mean, it feels good. I won't lie. Like, you know, it can feel pretty good. But you've got 30 people watching you. Not mm. unless you are a weirdo. Do you, are you told? Yeah. I mean, I know guys get turned on like they get hard and I don't blame them. You know, they're kissing and rubbing and everything. Certainly you get a hard on, but. Who, you as in, you're saying I do? Well, I mean, I think a lot of men. Oh, you said a lot the proverbial guys. you. Okay, you meant guys. You, right? no, okay, yeah. like guys. I thought, get... you, I thought you looked at me and go, "No, you." No, no, you no. Get hard but I mean, for sure. No, but I know guys do. I mean, they yeah, of course. Do. Every once in a while, they go, you're... "Wait," they'll say, "Up, oh, I need a few seconds or whatever." You know, I can't. I can't say it's unpleasant. It's pleasant. I enjoy it, but I'm not totally turned on. Of course. Yeah. But it's not like a basic, basic instinct where they supposedly had sex on the set. Oh. That's not true, is it? I, I heard that he had, they had sex. Well, good for them. Yeah, they, all I, I mean, they look like they had sex. Maybe. That was... I, I will tell you, back when I lived in that weird neighborhood in North Carolina, which I love, I have to say, and a lot of the people I love, but some of the people were just weirdos. There was this one woman who was super wealthy and I think very jealous of me because I was independent. And she would <laughs> say to me, so do you really have sex in your movies? Oh, and I was like, you know what? I'm not a prostitute. I don't do pornography. And, you know, like in which movie are you suggesting <laughs> that I had sex in? Which one of my movies are you suggesting I had sex in? Which is stupid. I think it's just stupid. <laughs> I would have stupid. said, fuck yeah. She wanted it I to F be true. I in every movie I do. Every TV <laughs> show you've ever seen me, I'm effing. Yes. And which one? Yeah. No, I've never effed. Oh. This has been really fun, isn't it? It has been fun. I hope yeah. I was okay. I don't know. How do you entertain? I love this. Okay, good. I mean, it's just real. I don't need to get into stuff that you've gotten into a million times. Maybe you have gotten into some of this stuff a million times. I have never talked about any of this. I mean, I have touched Is on that my... true? No. I oh, would... well, people will love this then. Yeah. I mean, who am I going to sit down with and talk about my sex life with? Who? Who am I going to do that with? I guess me. Yeah. Well, That's it. you know, I felt like, you know, I was like, well, you know, Andy and I have always had fun. Like, you know, we were at these events, these charity events, but, you know, we've never hung out in real life. But, you know, so I didn't know. I didn't know if it was going to be like, OK, look, I'm very private. I'm, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm just not going to talk about my family. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about my divorce. I'm not going to talk about boners or hard ons <laughs> or sex or nothing. I just want to talk about ready or not. Here I come in this new movie and I'm fucking relevant. So fuck you, Rosenbaum. <laughs> Fuck you and your fucking bullshit. Uh, I don't know how relevant. I'm relevant this month. You're, you're a movie. <laughs> you're a, listen straight. to me. You're a movie star. This month, I am so I, relevant. No, no. Once a movie star or a TV star, always. My thing Period. is, when someone if tries. If you're a fucking mechanic for 30 years, 40 years, and then one day, you don't decide not to be. You're still a mechanic. You know how to fix a car. Right. You, someone can't go. He's not a mechanic anymore. Yeah, motherfucker, pop your hood, bitch. <laughs> Is that a good analogy? Uh, I do say, you know, for for me, what anybody what anybody can say to me, I know how hard it is to have a successful movie. Everybody in this business wants a successful movie, mm -hmm. a movie that is um, well-received, has um, good reviews, and makes money. I've done that a lot. You've done a lot of those. I've done a lot of those, and that's rare. That's not usual 
So if anything, I could say, well, my career speaks for itself. And whether you want to think I'm relevant or not, it's up to you. Amen. And how, and how you, your perception of me. And I, there's nothing I can do about your perception of me. I can't change that. You know, it's none of our business what other people think about us. <laughs> that's what they say. Right, that's what they say. It's just so true. Have you ever had sex with Bill Murray? No, I did not. I, I well, d- wasn't even sure Bill liked me, to tell you the truth. I was doing everything I could. What you have, to... if he was attracted to you and into it, did you find him so talented and funny that you might have considered it? If you, were you single at the time? No, I wasn't interested in having any... You've never cheated. You're not that girl. I'm not going to say whether I was purely pure. I'm not going to get into that. But I can tell you I didn't sleep with Bill Murray. When I was going through my divorce, it said I slept with all of my co-stars. But I can guarantee you I didn't. Gerard Jeopard Jews. Didn't sleep with Gerard. You gotta sit there and ask. You gotta ask like all of my. Was he charming? Yeah, he had right to be now. charming. Green card. That was a great movie. I will say. I will tell you this, and then we're gonna stop. Gerard is so sweet and so friendly, and it was always really nice to everyone that I saw. So um, he did one night at the Golden Globes. Drove my husband crazy because he was hitting. Not it wasn't really hitting on me. He was just drunk. It was just Gerard. It's just like the way he acts. And so he drank so much, I was having to take care of him. So my husband was not happy. So that was a really rough night for me. But I didn't sleep with him. Years go by. I'm divorced, and Gerard's in Prague. And I'm my best friend's my assistant. Gerard and um, reconnected and said, "Let me come over and cook for you." I'm like, "Okay, this is great." He came over, he cooked, and brought a bunch of wine. And his friend, his friend came over, and we were dancing. And Adrian Brody was in the movie, and his girlfriend was there, and we're all partying like twelve o'clock at night. He starts hitting Gerard's hitting on me. He starts doing that same stuff, and finally, we had been drinking so much. I said to Gerard, "I said, Gerard, I'm not going to sleep with you." And he immediately just took looked at me. And turned to my friend and started paying attention to her. And it was just, I, we both of us just cracked up because it was so apparent what he well, was doing. Well, apparently Gerard <laughs> Jeppa do what he wants to do. So anyway, she wasn't going to sleep oh. with him either. She wasn't going to sleep with him either. But I, we were having so much fun. And uh, they finally left when they realized we, I guess, you know, that was all we were interested in was laughing and dancing and drinking and eating. We drank 17 bottles of wine that night. So they left. I, I practically peed in my pants because we were laughing so hard. And my sweet friend threw up. <laughs> That's how much we drank. Was there any co-star ever that you look back and go, I would have slept with him? Uh, I guess I, there was people that I would definitely say there was a deep chemistry. Bruce Willis? I am not doing this. No, I wasn't interested in sleeping with Bruce Willis. But you're going to hit someone that I would be like, yeah, there was chemistry. And I'm, so you have to stop right now. All right, I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think about sex. What's interesting is yeah. it's like an animal. Right. You know, it's like someone smells right. That's it. it. It's how they smell. And I will say that my husband always smelled right. I don't even think we had that much in common towards the end. I don't even know how compatible we really were were in so many ways. But the smell. It was just the friggin' smell. Ooh, that smell. <laughs> And it just was, it's a, it's a chemical reaction. I think you have to be, get beyond that to choose an intellectual person to be with or, or either get super lucky to have someone who has everything and they smell right. And rides bikes. <laughs> this has been a absolute treat for me. You're so forthcoming. I mean, you just, you're so open. 
You too, talked about too like, friggin' open, if you ask me. But, you gotta but, be in but big, who fat cares? Trouble. How are you gonna get in trouble? Oh my god, look, I can't believe Andy when I she told everyone I hit on her. I was drunk. I'm a man. Oh, hey, now he wouldn't care about that story. He wouldn't Plus, care. Plus, he's had a lot of weird shit said about him, so that really? would be nothing. That's not weird. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. It was pretty normal stuff. I bought all this wine. <laughs> Is that the worst accent you've ever heard? It was not. It wasn't that bad, actually. You're good at that kind of stuff. Not, not at that one. Did Bill Murray make you laugh all the time? Was he improvising a lot or was he just... He kinda... did improvise a lot. Bill's, Bill is moody. He's a moody person. And so it depended on his moods, whether he was making me laugh or not. He, was, he could be... He can be intimidating. Of course, he's like the biggest, one of the biggest comedic geniuses of all time. He is a genius. I will give him did credit he make for that. You, did he make you ever, was he the same person off camera as he was on camera? When he's he was, as weird as he can be. He's a very strange person. I meant when you're doing your lines, does he give you what, what you give him? When I was working with him, he's, all you have to do is be present and pay attention and, and be involved in the scene because he's so good and they're always different. So it's the best acting you can do because it's not formulated. You know, like some people just over-prepare and it's just like bad acting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah and it, yeah. Was, it was never like that. It was always fresh and authentic and sort of in the moment. Very spontaneous. Yeah. He's very extremely spontaneous. And you just had to listen and react so it's that old whole Meisner thing, which I wasn't even like a huge Meisner student, but it's pretty simple technology. I mean, uh, formula to, to to listen and pay attention and be present. Did Bill Murray ever look at you and say, "You were really great in the movie. You were really, you really shine." It was no. it was a joy to work oh with you. Oh my god! Never. No. He never said, "I loved working with you." No. He never, I would be floored. He never said, "Andy." No. Great take. No. Andy, you look stunning today. I don't think so. You worked with him three months <laughs> on Groundhog Day. I don't know Day. if it was three he months. He never once. I don't have any memories of that. I was intimidated by him, but always kind. I kind of felt like that's how to, to deal with him. Was he kind back? Sometimes. Was he always? In You're going to get me in big fat trouble. No, I don't think he wants to work with me again e either. I don't get that from him. I don't think it's going to be a Groundhog's Day too. No, it's not. I do think he's a genius, of and when I have seen him since then, and it's the same kind of feeling when I see him. I adore him. I would do anything if he would hug me. That would mean so much to me. But it's not going to happen. Isn't that something? How that's all you wanted, really? Is if he just gave you one hug? Yeah. I think, you know, that would be, he's just the kind of person that, you know, for me, I felt like I was constantly, I might cry. This is terrible. Just, no, do just, I... um, constantly trying to please him. Like everything oh. I did, like every moment of every second I was around him, it was to try to keep him happy and to please him. So, you know, and I, you know, I, tr I tried my best. I think the movie's brilliant. Uh, you know, somebody, if anybody ever criticizes anything about that movie, including me, then something's wrong with them because it's a perfect movie. I think it's a brilliant film. But I wonder whatever happened between him and Harold towards the end, if he went to go hug Harold. I wonder if he did. I hope he did. Yeah. I, I hope he did because look at all the great work they did. It's Just amazing. unbelievable. You just, you just, 
I, what's, I what's think nice he's brilliant. You, well, what's I'm scared of him. I think he's what's brilliant. What's nice is you admire him so much and you just I like, isn't it, isn't it something like somebody we admire? We just like, we want something. We just want a morsel. It's like, like almost like a father figure. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's like you just wanted to anything, right? You want some little. I'm, you know, I, I will say I've loved watching his career and everything that's happened to him. And, you know, really like this really warm feeling of this is this person who was so important in my life. And I bet he's never even thought two seconds about me. It was magical. It really was the movie. Um, this is all that's it. I, I don't really have anything else. Okay. That was, that was beautiful. You wore my ass out anyway. It's better than sex. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you, Andy McDowell. Dude, that was so fucking good. Oh my god. <laughs> Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.